We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Someone on the uh, text line, 379037, doesn't like that I say foyer. Why not? I don't know. I mean, Greg Guys. says it. Lou says it. Mago says it. Right. Arkan says it. Wiggy says it. Right. Courtney's too nice, so she calls me by my Christian name, which is Christian. Christian Fourier. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so, no. I actually uh, feel like I'm, I'm, I may legally change it. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's just the pronunciation. That's all well, you have to do. It's, you know, it's, uh, what was that? Oh, the damn thing from uh, Saturday Night Live. Oh, uh, yeah, I got a package here for Asswipe Johnson. It's <laughs> Asswipe. <laughs> yeah. Get it right. You know who actually started that was uh, Teddy Bruschi. Teddy oh, Bruschi. really? He his real name one. is Asswipe Bruschi? No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. That was back in his Arizona oh, okay. days when he was probably meaner than he is ever was. When but he had a mullet yeah, and a halfback. Fabulous. fabulous. Now he's number, got TV quaff. It was like number 64, 60, 68. 68. That was my offensive line number. <laughs> what are you doing? Like they, <laughs> when you get a name like 68, they don't think you're any good. Oh, no, oh you mean on the... Uh, he's playing defense. defense? Like, hey, you know what? Take number 68. That's a good point. Little did they know. How good he was going to be. Exactly. But yeah, no, he started calling me that. So there you see. I don't know how it would, and then he would come on the show and he would say it and it just. It's stuck. just natural. I don't, I mean, the, I, I, uh, I guess we have pronunciation police out there. I don't know what you want to do. I didn't realize it was uh, that big a problem. Oh, I'm not changing anything. Good Lord. I mean, I we know that. It. I respond to it. Yeah, we, uh, we addressed his uh, beef and it said, oh, please read my message. And all right, there here's you go. What you, here's what you can't call me. Uh, this goes back to to, well, to like when I was a kid. Okay. No, 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 Chris. Now everyone's gonna call me Chris. No, everyone's no one will. No, you don't. No. Gonna, I, why did I say that? No, why because did you stop me? no one looks at you and thinks that. No well, one looks at you and thinks, oh, that's a. Because a lot of people, it's the whole you you associate the name kind of with the way they look, and plus, you know, when you hear you know Christian Fourier scores the touchdown. That imprints in people's brains more than shortening your name or something like that. Yeah, see, for me, it was kids when I was in school, grammar school, kids would call up and ask to speak to Chris. And eventually my parents got so sick of it. And if anyone called asking for Chris, they just hung up the phone. Mm -hmm. There's no Chris here. Click. They would hang it up. I had to like literally walk around to all my friends. Don't call and ask for Chris. You have to say my full name. And then just end it. And then they started calling me Christopher. It's like now you're adding words. You're not now taking words you're, away. Right now, now you're, you're adding stuff. Right. There's no. It doesn't work the same way. When people called my house as a kid, my mom hung up because she knew I didn't have any friends. So she like it's got to be a wrong number and just kind of <laughs> hung up on everybody. Uh, the uh, do we need to be a little worried about the Celtics? We're gonna get to that, but I also want to remind you go to Gresh Fourier W E E I on Twitter to vote for what will be today's 
what you want to hear. Uh, today we have terrorizing turkeys against the doomsday clock. You can vote again, Gresh Fourier, W E E I on Twitter. Christian has retweeted it at Christian Fourier. <laughs> and I did it at the real Gresh G R E S H. Uh, we will get to that at 1245 today. But Celtics lose not only in Orlando, but they lose in Miami as well last night, 98 to 95. And I only bring this up because. I don't want to say we've been waiting for a speed bump or a pothole for the Celtics and the Bruins, but I do think seeing everyone react to that sort of strife and strain that is put on the roster with injuries or we're still learning about Joe Missoula the way we were learning last year when it came to Ime Udoka. And, uh, yeah, I know you had an issue with no timeout last yeah. night, right? There have been those who have said, hey, is Joe Missoula great at – you know, designing inbounds plays and things of that nature. I don't think there are things that are passing him by per se. Like a lot of times with a rookie head coach, you're like, well, he missed that one. That's a learning experience. Or boy, he could have managed that differently. That's a learning experience. Last night was very much the choice that a lot of NBA coaches make. Do I let my guy, do I trust my guys out there to get into an offensive set to try to tie the game? Or do I need to be like Rick Pitino and control everything from the sidelines? That, to me, is a part of the growth curve of a head coach. But to this point, do we look at sort of what's gone on the last week or so and think, maybe there is a little fire with this smoke here with the Celtics bumping the road? Well, so I look at it as what was your biggest concern or fear when Ime had left and then Joe Mazzulla took over. Like, what was your what was your number one, like, top two things or whatever? As far as will he will it work or not? Will this team stay motivated on their okay. own? All right, because I thought there were times where Eme poked the bear, so mm-hmm. to speak, and this team responded to it. And will they play top flight defense anymore? Okay, so you know what my main concern was. What was that? Like when it got to, I didn't think they were going to have a problem self motivating. Because I feel like they had gotten there, and they're a veteran group now. They're, they're a veteran young, group, but but they're a but veteran group. They are. They've been, they've been around through a for lot. a while. But it's the championship series, right. NBA finals. So you're like, wow, they're 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 vets now, and they want it. Maybe that's a little more of a trust thing with Tatum and Brown with me, because I really did think Ime Udoka broke through to those guys last year, and it took him to do so. But go see, ahead. I I felt like that part. I was felt like okay, they learned their lesson. They're old enough now. Um, what was your other one? Your first one was more- uh, defensive. You're not going to okay. play top flight defense so, yeah, anymore. So, so that did kind of fall off for a little bit. Rob Williams comes back, and I feel like they picked that up a little bit because they know how important that is. And, again, that comes to their maturity. I feel like when it matters, they'll step up. My main concern was not the regular season, was the postseason. Uh, best of seven. You're going against a, a, a Spolstra. You're going against a Budenholzer. You're going against the guys that have won that are that have a lot of success that are really experienced. And I felt like that was gonna be that was gonna like show his his youth and his inexperience. I thought those guys would pants him. If he goes against Steve Kerr and they're playing and, and the and the and the, the, the personnel is even, the coaching advantage would go to Steve Kerr, would it not? Well it did last year with well, Emo even, even this year. What yeah, okay, right, even but, more so. So that proves my like, point. It would go to the the better coach. So see, I didn't worry because it was a first year head coach last year, first year head coach this year. Again, we we have the we have like the past to to show that okay, like 
you know, he went through his lumps, and we realized that he was a good coach and he knew what to do. Uh, Joe Mazzula has started off better than Ime Udoka did. Mm -hmm. There's no team meetings. There's none of this, okay, slow starts and losing the first two games like they did. He picked up where Ime left off. Yeah, so he just, listen, just don't drop the baton. That's it. Well, minus showing his baton in the office. Thank you. That's key multiple times. Actually, good. Very important part. Keep your baton in your pants. That's right. <laughs> no need to twirl it around at uh, team meetings, but I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to get you off the exit ramp here. Uh, no, but, but I felt like, and, and I don't know if like last night was. And listen, they're a really good team, so you kind of start nitpicking against good teams because you're trying. You're trying to find the cracks. You're trying to feel like trying to find something that'll come back and bite you when it matters. Like it's important, but it's going to matter when you play against the Nets, or you play against the the Milwaukee Bucks, or you play against the Heat. Any of these Eastern Conference teams with veteran coaches that have won championships. That's my thing. So you don't call a timeout. Spolstra already has his team ready, and they play it perfectly. You don't. They, you think you think you have the advantage. You keep their offensive players on there. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, he doesn't call timeout. He lets them play it out. They pants you. They intercept the ball. They double the one guy that they have to double because nobody else is making any shots, and then they intercept the ball. Game's over. Who played the Who played the last possession better? Who just which coach played the last possession well, by, better? By proxy, it's going to be uh, it's going to be Spolstra. Well, I know it's it's because you know the outcome, but based no, on but, that, but I think Tatum has to take some of the blame here, and this is the superstar quotient, I guess you want to call it. There are those that are going to be like, "Hey, man, you had the ball in the hands of the best player." He made a bad play, but how can you argue that because he's the best player? That's where I think a lot of people, unfortunately, land when it comes to evaluating the NBA in a situation that we're talking about. Like, if it was Peyton Pritchard who threw a bad pass, everybody would look at Missoula and be like, how'd you let that effing guy get the ball? Well, because it's Tatum, and it's, well, it's a superstar, and that's what you do in the NBA. You get the ball to your superstars. I think it takes some of the heat off of Joe Missoula, and now it's to the point to where I think fans are a little more comfortable in trying to hold Tatum to a higher standard, which is why, for me, I think Tatum would end up catching more flack. Because, look, for as much as a one-legged fadeaway three-pointer would have been terrible, it at least would have been a chance at the rim, not with a low percentage pass across the court. Yeah, see, to me, that is that is late-game execution. That is, even more importantly, before the, the, the execution, you have to be able to read the room. And I felt like, based on the... The situation that they were in, under the circumstances with, with all those guys being hurt, I'm reading the room right now. I'm like, holy crap. I got um, Pritchard, Tatum, Williams, D. White, and Grant Williams on the floor at the same time. These guys have never played together during a game at the same time. They've all played, obviously, but right. together in a situation like this where you have two timeouts, I just thought it would have been wise, okay, and it wouldn't affect you one way or the other to call a timeout, give everybody a break, Set the tempo and make sure everybody knows what to do. Hey, I know you probably already know this, Tatum, but they're going to double you. So let's be let's be careful because they're going to try and bait you into a bad pass. So, listen, you assume he knows it because he's Tatum, but he still gets caught yeah. and they trick him. The more that I think of that lineup that was on the floor and no one to go to, the more I think it was right because as you're trying to set it up, then it becomes, all right, who inbounds? Who sets screens for Tatum to be able to get the ball? If you get it to Pritchard, does he get trapped? All that kind of stuff. There's one other thing I want to hit relative to Jason Tatum here, and that is Jason Tatum 
if you include playoffs, we're talking about 50 games left. And Tatum, after the Orlando game, is saying, hey, I might need wrist surgery after the season. So this guy's playing through something again. And this was – and Terp did a good job of finding this. Uh, Tatum with Taylor Rooks in the offseason talking about what he went through last year. And I'm starting to get worried if it's going to get worse this year. They, it showed that I had um, had a non-displaced fracture in my wrist. And it was like – it was small, but it was still but like – still, yeah. Like a, a non-displaced chip. So, like, I chipped a bone, but it didn't, like, leave the surface, right? Um, but it has shown that the bone that grew over it, so it healed, but it was still pain. I was still in pain because I kept getting it hit or falling on it. Uh, so, like, I guess I played with, like, somewhat of a fracture for, for like, two months. Um, wow. And then in the playoffs, there was a play against against Milwaukee in game three. Um, I dunked it. Giannis chased me down, and he fouled me, and I fell into, the, to the, um, to like, the crowd. And that was the most painful it's been since that day um, that I heard it. And I ended up getting a cortisone shot in my wrist um, that night. And you could see it. Uh, yeah, it's like much lighter. I've lost like yeah. color in my hand because it kills the fat cells and there's not a lot of fat in my hand. Yeah. So like I've lost color right there. But, you know, after each game, I would have to like wear a brace, you know, to shoot around and I would take it off before the camera saw me and then you know, pregame taking my nap, and I have to put it back on. You know, just to make yeah. sure it was stable. That's a lot there, and if this thing is already barking, I'm starting to worry. Man, this is this is where my mind goes. He just said he took a shot that kills fat cells. Where do I get some of that? Oh, oh, <laughs> where can we get Ooh, some of shiny that? Shiny red ball. <laughs> this is all he said. It kills fat cells, huh? Woo! Let's go. Forget about this diet. You want that shot too, don't you? No. Kills fat cells. No, what I'm going to do is I'm only going to say this one time. <laughs> I am going to speak for Fat America. <laughs> On behalf of Fat America. Yeah. The spokesman. Whiz off. <laughs> oh, I'm so fat now. <laughs> yeah. Hey. hey. Yeah, yeah. It's all relative. Right. No, it's, it's all, not. It's all relative. No, yes, it is. It yes, it is. Yes, it is. No. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. When you look at the yes, profile of a large-o, it is not it's you. It's all relative. You're a, if you're you're a overweight, large If you're human, overweight, if you're overweight, you're overweight. No. I used to hate guys like linemen like you. Okay? Linemen like you, when we were running no. sprints, they would bitch and complain about the running. And then why we have to do this? And they would give him a, a, a shorter distance or more time to do it. It's all relative. It's just not the same, you know. And it and they treat you like differently. Like if you're fat, you're fat. What does it matter if you're skinny fat, or if you're just big? Like I'm skinny fat. I got a belly. And when Wiggy Dude, is making telling jokes about me being you, fat, I have an issue with if it. If you walk, I want fat if you walk down the road with me or Billy or Shime, you know what it looks like from behind. The number 10. You're the one. You're the skinny one in it. <laughs> so stop it. Wait a second. I've actually never heard that before. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. And you're That's there. Such a no, fat I know. Rah, rah, rah. Oh, yeah. I want and the, people I want the fat shot. At, no. I want the fat get, shot. Get the hell out of here. I want the fat shot. You don't want to be ham hands hairy? <laughs> uh, oh, here's one thing that the whole show is about to tee off on, and that is the Baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay, good. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Tell your smart speaker to play 93.7 WEEI. Gresham Fourier on WEEI. Yeah, they're going to know your name because you're in a place you shouldn't be. It's like parking in a handicapped spot. You shouldn't be there. Don't do it. Same for what we found out yesterday. I got to be honest, folks. This little phone that I'm holding right here, they did for you on Twitch, you can see, right? This thing right here, you can listen to us on the Odyssey app on there as well. But hidden in this phone, ladies and gentlemen, Dirty is, pictures. The, is the, no, <laughs> not me, believe me, is the text string of this show. Oh, okay. When it was announced that Scott Rowland was going to the Hall of Fame, all right? I do believe it started with a Billy Lanny text, which the one thing I love about Lanny is that I can say in my voice, this freaking guy going to the Hall of Fame, are you kidding me? And everybody puts it in Billy voice to where they go, if it were verbalized versus text, this effing guy in the Hall of Fame, get out of here. As Billy Lanny once famously said in Boston Airwaves, kick rocks. Like, oh my God, Scott freaking Rowland of all people? Listen, he was a nice player. He was a good third baseman. And I know we can do the whole, ah, let me go to warp.com yeah. and find out all the compare. A lot of people just say when you say the name, you should know they're going in the Hall of Fame, right? Mm-hmm. I think you subscribe to that easy. theory. Absolutely. And yet... If you're thinking about it, he's not a Hall of Famer. And yet, if you uh, check out what uh, we've got on Twitch, the Scott Rowland Hall of Fame votes. So I'm trying, to, uh, I'm trying to click on this and expand it out a little bit. So first year on the ballot, right? Mm-hmm. Scott Rowland got 10.2% of the vote. Then in 2019, he got 17.2% of the vote. Ooh. Oh, my God. He's getting better. Then in he's 20, not even playing, though. Then in 2020, it's 53, uh, 35.3% yeah. of the vote. And then in 2021, 529 And then last year, 63.2%, which, by the way, was the highest among players not voted in. Now, why did Scott Rowland take that leap? Because there were people who just refused to put steroid guys in. Bonds, Clemens, Manny, all that stuff. And then this year, it was 76.3%. He's the only guy. And there are, from what I've read on Twitter and what I've seen on the interwebs, a lot of baseball writers who are like, well, you know, we did want to put somebody in. That's what this exercise is now. And by the way, process of elimination. Todd Helton is at 72.2%. Look at the back end of Todd Helton's career and tell me that for almost a decade, that guy on the back nine really played like a Hall of Famer. It's becoming the boy, we don't want to let we don't want to let the people of Cooperstown down, or we don't want to let baseball fans down if we don't put someone in. And what makes it worse is that Scott Rowland is gonna get in on a year where he's voted in. And Fred McGriff, Billy, you have it in the trending. 
What's the formal name of what used to be the Veterans Committee now? The Contemporary Baseball Era Committee. Jesus H. We've even got to come oh, up what? with a... Uh, uh, everybody, uh, pre- hey, if everybody co-sign on this I name, hey. cont- I, uh, I'm a proud member of the Contemporary Baseball uh, Committee. I think it's only 16 people. Uh, 12 votes get you in. Uh, has got you down. Joe Bottomtooth and I are going to sit here and judge these players. Uh, Oh my God! This uh, go is, ahead. Somebody this, this, else go. This is the so so back to just um, uh, Roland real quick. So that first year when he was eligible, okay, ten point two percent, which is also the lowest first year percentage for any player ever voted in. Okay, That's the lowest. Unbelievable. Here's my thing with this. I hate the BBWAAA. I hate these guys. We got it up on Twitch right now. Okay, there's all the percentages. There you go. And it's amazing how each year he got increasingly better. So the voters on this, and I had a big issue with this with uh, with Dan Shaughnessy, okay, a big issue with this because if you take your job seriously, if this is important to you, mm-hmm. and somebody comes up and he's uh, eligible to be voted in uh, for the Baseball Hall of Fame, what an unbelievable opportunity, what an unbelievable honor. So I would assume that the first time you evaluate somebody for the Hall of Fame you would research the hell out of this guy. You would do all the due diligence. You would compare to the, the greats of the past and figure out the first time, the very first time he is eligible to be voted in, mm-hmm. you would figure out yes or no whether or not he is a Hall of Famer. It doesn't matter who else is eligible that year. It doesn't matter if there's 10 of the best ever to play the game, put all 10 in at that point in time. That's just the way it goes. Once you do that, that's your shot. So if he doesn't get in, you shouldn't change your mind in 2019. And then in 2020, he gets progressively better. Like, so all these freaking idiots who vote suddenly decide, now I can vote for him. What happened in 2018 when you, if you, they should only get one vote. That's it. You get one opportunity to vote for this particular guy. You don't get five freaking years. If he's a Hall of Famer, if he's not a Hall of Famer in 2018, how all of a sudden is he a Hall of Famer in 2023? Yeah, I think the the fact that it was so low in the beginning is what stands out here. Because, look, if there's a guy who we think it's going to go into the Hall of Fame and he gets 60% of the vote the first time out, then with the way it's gone, okay, that guy will trend and maybe eventually get in. There's only one reason that Scott Rowland is in the Hall of Fame, and it's because they don't know. I mean, I'm talking about the BBWAA, the voting committee at large. Hey, guys, it's Rob Bradford. They don't know how to put into context the steroid era. All the voters disagree. The Baseball Hall of Fame is reluctant to acknowledge that it was an era and a part of their history. And if you, you know, you don't want to put in Manny Ramirez because Manny got busted not once but twice after they put in a policy, that I can at least buy. But the Bonds, Clemens, people like that, because those guys aren't in, that's why people like Scott Rowland are in the Hall of Fame. You know who else was on the ballot? And I'm going to tee him up here. Billy Lanny's favorite baseball player, Manny Ramirez. I've heard Billy for years talk about how much fun Manny was, how great he was, and yep, he was on some stuff, but good Lord, if you're a Red Sox fan, at one point in time, Manny Ramirez sent chills down your spine. He made your liver quiver with some of the amazing hits 
plays, silliness with Manny Ramirez. That guy is more, I don't care what he put in his body. That guy is more a Hall of Famer than Scott freaking Roland. But Roland's in because they don't want to vote for the steroid no, guys. they'd rather put less qualified guys they, in. They'd rather in water order, down the Hall of Fame dumb to it keep down, those water guys it down. Out. It's just amazing. They, put them in. They don't do their job. They should all be fired. Every last one of them should be fired, and they should start all over again with a new set of rules and regulations. You have this unbelievable responsibility to do the job correctly, mm-hmm. to not hold a grudge, to not like water it down, to not be influenced about trends or opinions or rumors. Judge him on his baseball performance one time. Like, so wait, so you don't like a guy, you didn't like the way he handled you, he was a jerk when you interviewed him. So the first time he's up, you screw him. You say, you know, I'm going to teach this guy a lesson. Okay, I'm going to teach him a lesson. He needs to he needs to figure out who's really in charge now. Mm-hmm. So the first time he's up, you don't vote for him. And then you don't vote for him again. And then you go, okay, I think he learned his lesson now. He respects me now. He knows I'm important. He's like a bouncer at a nightclub. You got to kiss his ass because he's got the golden ticket. He lets you into the club. Sure as hell, he's nice to you now. And he apologizes for being a jerk. And you go, oh, well, now I'll let him in. What? That's not your job. Mm. That is not your job. That is not your responsibility. Your job is to judge him based on what he did playing baseball, and that's it. I will say this on behalf of some of the voters, and Shaughnessy has smartened me up to this over the years. They're really not given a lot of guidance. And then it becomes about the voters, unfortunately. And look, the BBWAA is guilty of a couple of things. Number one, they didn't turn over the constituency enough in terms of Hall of Fame voting. There are people who have a baseball Hall of Fame vote that are no longer covering baseball. That's the other I mean, part now of that, it. yes. But also... It's like the and, Heisman voters. And I don't know if this has changed yet or not, but I do believe that if you work for digital media, then you're not considered... Or, or in the past it has been that if you were a writer and you were in and there you go... But then there was the letting people in who do it digitally or who do video or guys like Carabas, right? Jared Carabas is like one of the biggest baseball nerds you're ever going to meet. If there's a guy who deserves a Hall of Fame vote that would take it seriously, it'd be someone like that. But I don't know if they don't like where he works for or where he used to work for or whatever. But some of those people that really love the game are kind of shut out. And that's a part of what needs to be fixed in all this. But no, I will, listen, I will, you know, I will listen. That's fine. I, I don't think you need if you're a reputable baseball guy and you cover baseball, you're not some some dude that just creates a blog and you're talking about the Phillies or the freaking Padres. Right. You've been covering baseball. Like Alex Spear, like Rob Bradford, your whole life is dedicated to that sport. Carabas, yeah. dedicated to the sport and the history of the sport. So I give you one opportunity. You only get one. There's no get out of jail free card. It's you a little get narrow. one. No, it's if I. You don't need eight opportunities to figure out whether a guy. You take the time. You crunch the numbers. You compare the guy him to the past. And don't give me this Dan Shaughnessy. Ah, uh, they don't have guidance. You're smart enough to know whether a guy is a Hall of Famer or not. And my issue with Shaughnessy goes way beyond just this, okay? You don't like his hair? I hate his hair, <laughs> although I wish my hairline was like his. No, it's like it's, it's a Kurt Schilling thing, which is just is part of this. The first time he votes for Kurt Schilling, 
then he doesn't like what Kurt Schilling is, is doing, so he doesn't vote for him anymore. Mm. And he kind of acts like it wasn't. it's because he didn't do his homework but again, the first time. But that is a part of, and again, I'm not defending Shaughnessy per se, but that's a part of kind of that, like, wide guidance, let's say, or not enough specific well, that's part guidance of it. on you, it. You, you tell me you can't be a stand-up guy and, like, just disregard your personal feelings and just vote for the guys who should go here. Right. And to, to me, this to me is a joke. The process is a joke. Like the who votes is a joke. You cannot have eight opportunities to decide whether a guy is a Hall of Famer or not. I think the big thing for me is that, you know, you're leaving you're leaving a part of the history of the game out of the museum that is supposed to preserve. You just it. said it. You said it. It's a museum. Tell the truth. Put Pete Tell Rose the story. in, but put on his plaque. Yes. He was suspended from baseball yes. for X. Yes. Why are we acting like it didn't exist? That's right. the biggest problem. Cause, cause Just own it. Well, honestly, own it. it goes all the way back to Uncle Bud. Uncle Bud trying to scrub the blood of Bud Selig, trying to scrub the blood of the steroid era off of his hands. Doesn't want, you know, doesn't want people to remember that he was a part of overseeing it. So, all right, there we go. <laughs> we got it off our chest. Rollins going to the Hall of Fame. But again, the more deserving guy that's actually going to get in is Fred McGriff. I'm actually happier for Fred McGriff that he no longer gets screwed out of the Hall of Fame because he was seven home runs short of 500. The only is, thing I remember from Fred McGriff is like his baseball videos. Oh, the Tom Amansky yeah, baseball yeah. videos. Throwing the, he would be at the center field and he'd throw the baseball into the trash can right behind home plate. I'm going to throw like Fred McGriff. And it's like... Tom Amensky has the best breakdown <laughs> yeah. of baseball drills available. Look at Fred McGriff. I can actually do the three moves fielding that I saw on Fred McGriff's commercials like constantly. It was it was like gather. It was like fielding position. Gather. You know, you cock the ball like this. You know, you, you get in the ready position, then you throw. Let me tell you something. When those uh, Lou Merloni instructional videos start airing like the Tom Amansky videos uh, on like TV 38 and here at WEI, yeah, yeah. we're all going to be able to sink our teeth in on the mechanics of the game there. Uh, 617-779-7937. Franco in Lynn talking baseball. Go ahead, Franco. Hi, guys. Great show. Uh, I just want to say uh, with a quick story, when I was a young boy and I was watching – so said McGuire hit home runs. My mother would literally stop watching her soap operas, who she doesn't care nothing about baseball, just to watch to see if Sammy Sosa or Mark McGuire were going to hit a home run. And my point is, people are watching these games, and Major League Baseball was making all this money. Isn't it fair to say they knew these guys were juicing or doing something? Yep. So if they were accepting that, shouldn't they accept them and allow them to go in? I mean, they were reaping the benefits. And if somebody like my mother who would stop watching her Spanish soap operas to see if Sammy Sosa <laughs> or Michael McGuire would hit a home run, I mean, that, that, that's a huge impact for somebody who doesn't even care about the sport, but she was excited to see these guys hit a ball. That should be taken into consideration if they were weakening the benefits at the time. If you're turning so, off, you're, Franco, I appreciate it. If, yeah, and that's right. If you're turning off the telenovela to be able to watch Manny Ramirez hit a baseball 500 feet because you love it, there is, and, and to what Franco brings up, like when I first got into the business, one of the first big stories that I was talking about every day was the McGuire home run chase. And you know what we didn't do? You looked at Mark McGuire and said, eh, there might be something going on there. But then when he hit five home runs over a three-game period in, uh, you know, Florida to be able to creep into the mid-50s, you're like, oh, my God, 
this guy's going to hit a ton more home runs this year. And it sucked you in and it got you into it. So Franco brings up the ultimate hypocrisy. And unfortunately, it's been thrown in the hands of the baseball writers and they're catching the, the bullets. But baseball rebuilt themselves on guys that were juicing. And guess what happened? We all showed up. We love the home run race. We all remember Sammy Sosa, baseball, been very, very good to me. All that deal. We remember that whole era very fondly. And now a bunch. Listen, do I think Mark McGuire's a Hall of Famer? No. All he did was hit dingers. But he was a part of the, one of the most important eras in baseball history that now guys like Shaughnessy and others are left to try to legislate for the Hall of Fame. All right, we're done with there that. There you go. Because we need to get to you the lunchtime it. parlay. There we go. Uh, Fourier is out of today's lunchtime parlay, so only I'm a three-teamer. Yeah, he's pouting a little bit because we told him. <laughs> but he, although you pushed. Yeah, this shouldn't be a push. Though. All right, so we will get to the lunchtime parlay and more of you next. W-E-E-I. I love E-I-M-E-R. W-E-E-I. <laughs> New England. Sports Original. Now, more Crash and Fourier on WEEI and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. All right, here we go. It is time for the lunchtime parlay. And yesterday we went kaput, try to go to the old four-teamer. I think it's the second time we went to a four-leg parlay and we had a push in there. I'm pretty sure. It might have been a three-legger where we had a push, but... Uh, Foya had the Celtics plus three. Ugh. Of course, Celtics lose by three. Uh, Terp was on the Bulls on the money line. That was a loss. Billy had the uh, Suns covering over the Hornets. And I had my worst pick of the year with Air Force and San Jose State. But we're right back on the horse. We're going to try to win you some money. Here is your lunchtime parlay for today. And we'll make sure to get that out all over social media. Twitter, at Gresh W-E-E-I which is also where you can vote for what you want to hear coming up one hour from now at a little over 1245. Uh, I'm going to the NBA tonight, boys. And I've done a little, like, normally when Terp makes a pick, he's got a little he's got a little background, right? Well, this is one, too. Give me the Wizards minus three against Houston. Two things. Number one, the Wizards all year long have been really good on the back end of back-to-back games. And... If I, if I got it right, Houston hasn't covered in like a month. It's something crazy like that. Like, it's been a massive chunk of games where the Rockets have not been able to cover. I think it sets up perfectly. I think the line has already gone from two to three. Still, give me the Wizards minus the three tonight against Houston. Billy, what do you got tonight? Lakers are a mess. Anthony Davis returns tonight, so give me the Lakers to cover the seven points uh, to the visiting Spurs. So not only Anthony Davis coming back, but for those who saw any of the postgame after last night's Lakers game, they're asking Russell Westbrook a question about what went on in the end, and his response to the reporter was, well, there were five guys on the floor. And then LeBron James got asked a question postgame about, I think it's the philosophy of the general manager moving towards the trade deadline, and he was like, well, is that a question for me, or is that really for the GM? And he was like, you know, I only worry about the guys on the floor. I don't worry about what the front office does. They are crumbling from the inside. But watch those bums rally tonight against a bad Spurs team. Uh, Terp, what do you got? Let's go. Not too long ago, the Pelicans were the one seed in the West. They've slipped a lot. They've uh, lost five straight. A lot of that to do with injuries. They lost Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Ingram returns tonight. They host the Timberwolves, who are 
eight and fifteen on the road. So give me the Pelicans at home tonight to bounce back. All right, very good. And hang on one second here because I literally I had the Sportsbook Rhode Island app up. I had all these picks in, and I literally just hit the wrong button and erased them all. So, Foyer, give me uh, 30 seconds of tap dancing while I uh, load these up again. If Foyer was to make a pick, what would your pick be? Uh, if Foyer was going to make a pick, uh, see, now that I haven't really looked Ricky at it. Now, oh, I know. I know oh, exactly. Oh, I got it. I got now it. you're going Ricky no, no, Henderson, no, no. third no, no. person? No, no. I, I got it. Hold on. Okay, so um, Binghamton University is uh, playing against uh, Binghamton women's basketball is playing against uh, uh, is playing against uh, Vermont. Wonder why you know this. Um, I will take uh, Binghamton okay. on the money line. All right. I'm so just saying, hey, not that I know anything about that school at all. Thank you for filling I'm it just in. Just saying. You asked me to tap dance. Uh, you did. You did a good job. Uh, the ten dollars on Wizards minus three, Lakers minus seven, and Pelicans on the money line gets you fifty one dollars and fifty eight cents on your ten dollar wager. Good luck if you're investing into today's lunchtime parlay. We'll get to the uh, Celtics and the Bruins and maybe a little Red Sox at the top of the hour. 617-779-7937. Sean in Fitchburg wants in on our prior discussion about Scott Rowland. Sean, go ahead. Hey, guys. What's going on? What's up? Not much. Hey, so I started going uh, by mistake to Cooperstown, the Hall of Fame induction weekend at like 10 years old. We were just going camping out there, and it happened to be induction weekend. That was the most magical time. For like 10 years, we went. Um, And to see what the Hall of Fame is really doing and the baseball writers are doing is really a shame. I mean, you know, Fred McGriff, everyone knows him from my age. I'm 40 right now. And he was a beast. Scott Rowland, like, not so much. You know, when there are so many good players, especially like Louis Tiant, you look at him. He's a guy who should be in. There's a million guys, like somebody said earlier, like as much as I don't like A-Rod, A-Rod, Manny Ramirez, the rest of them, but these pompous baseball writers don't want to do it. It's for the fans, man. You know, who are the best players around? So I'm with that's you. all I had to say about that. Sean, you know, it's kind of... I, yeah. Sean, I'm glad you, and thank you, friend, I'm glad you jumped in with a, hey... The weekend is magical. I've never been for an induction weekend. I've heard unbelievable things about that weekend in Cooperstown. But the narrative, unfortunately, for the Hall of Fame has become more about the people that aren't in it versus the people that are in it that should make fans want to drive out to the middle of ass crack nowhere to go to Cooperstown and see that museum. It's funny, on your way to Binghamton University, you actually drive by the exit to go to Cooperstown. And then there's still a long way to go from there. <laughs> there's still a long yeah. way to go. I spent a night in Oneonta once. I just, I, I, this is my issue Woof. with this. I just, I think about if I'm a player and I've just sacrificed and I've just worked my ass off and I've done everything that was asked of me and then some to put myself in a position to, to get, like, to, to, to get rewarded, right? Is, you know, some sort of like recognition that is second to none, only the best of the best of the best, whatever. Mm-hmm. And sure as hell, when somebody is tasked with the job of, you know, figuring out whether I'm worthy or not, they just kind of just half-ass it. That's why I think that you shouldn't allow these riders. I feel like the whole system is flawed, but most importantly, you get you get your opportunity to vote, and you go, nah, maybe next year. It, it turns into a personal grudge that I think – should not be part of the equation. I think what you need to do at minimum is raise the floor for the first time. Normally, it's I think it's 5% to stay on the ballot. 
that's got to go up way higher. If you raise that to 25%, 30%, then you force the voters to think a little differently. Then it's not, you know, like, I think somebody gave Mike Napoli a vote. I mean... Mike Napoli. That's my point. Like, but that's the right. But what are you doing? But that's the you're thing. Not, like, you're, you're not qualified. You're not qualified to do the job. If so, you're throwing your friend to yes, vote, what I, are you I, doing? That's this, is, the, this is why it yeah. becomes a joke. It's just you're just mocking the system. Hey, look, man, I put your name in there. This isn't. The, we're not talking about the Pro Bowl. Who gives a crap? Like this is your legacy we're talking this about. This is being immortalized amongst the gods. I mean, but I do think it's important. Like, ah, you know what, man? I was listen. I don't think these. I don't think. Any of these guys, if they don't get in, be like, ah, you know, man, I'm not part of the club. No, you're not. Like, I, I follow the the when, when Deion Sanders was talking about the Pro Football Hall of Fame or Jerry Rice. Like, when you look at it, that's the that's the standard. So you let other guys in, and then you really kind of water down the, the real Hall of Famer. So there should be a separate wing. Well, it's really funny because there are those who look at the pro football process that are in the baseball world and say, well, that is too narrow. It's too small a group. It's too this. It's too that. It's supposed to be special. It's, well, that's the thing. It, all of these Halls of Fame are imperfect. But it feels like the Baseball Hall of Fame is the one that is flawed the most. We head to the lunchtime hour. We are going to get on the quarterback carousel, 1225. Uh, Lots of quarterbacks could be on the move. But the Celtics lose in Miami. Back-to-back losses for the Seas. The Bruins win in Montreal. And the Red Sox are just throwing money right out the window. We'll get to that next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 